This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. And Father, I thank you for the blessing of another day of life. And Lord, we have so many things to learn today. And you have so many things that you want to teach us. Father, I pray that um, as we go into the next few hours and we want to reflect on the blessings again that you have given us and the ways in which you have touched our ministries, uh, Lord, that you would remind us of your love and your grace and your strength in our weakness. Father, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so who can briefly summarize, wow, this is an echo, who can briefly summarize what we've been talking about? We've been talking about small groups, and the first um, module was called what? For anyone that was here yesterday? Yeah, so the first module yesterday was prepare my heart for soul winning, right? And then after that, we started to talk about re-evolution. How do we, re- I guess, cause a change in our home churches? How do we change the things um, that we see, and how do we change the ways that we work and reach out to people? One of the ways that we're discussing primarily this week is actually small group ministries. And so we'll be going into the nuts and bolts today of what makes a small group, how it runs. Um, If you have a small group meeting, how do you break that meeting down? What do you do? How do you teach? Um, What makes a small group leader? What makes a small group member? How do you make a member a leader? And all those sorts of things. Um, So we'll be be covering some of the principles. It's it's very hard to cover this in a few hours. But we really want to give a a significant amount of time for questions that you guys have. Because I think it's probably beneficial um, for us to spend more time discussing the the things that you have in mind that you want to ask us. So we'll try to keep this um, actual explanation part a little bit shorter so we have more time for questions. So our topic for this morning is actually reformation. So not reformation, but reformation. And that implies that today we'll be discussing how we form a small group team, a small group core, and how we form a team that's going to be effective in reaching other people. So for those that weren't here yesterday, this is a summary of our cycle of evangelism that we were discussing. Briefly, if we start um, here in the top right, we start with the free salvation of Christ. So anyone that comes to Christ as a new believer um, first is introduced to the gospel message, so the free salvation of Christ. And we studied yesterday that that leads us in response and gratitude to God's love and goodness to repentance, which gives us a new heart and conversion. This is a seminar... um, and this is a theme, rather, um, fill me with the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit in the context of small group ministries, we also see that after we are converted and we have received a new heart from God, the Holy Spirit gives us greater breadth and depth of experience with Jesus. So is everyone recalling this? Not going too fast? Okay, so after we receive that, the Holy Spirit works in us to give us 
fruits and gifts of the Spirit as a peculiar people that makes us soul winners for Him. Soul winners then go on to reach out to new people and introduce them to the free salvation of Christ again, and it works in a cycle. That's the basis for small group ministry. That's the basis for any ministry in the church. And so that's what we use to explain how we structure um, the small group ministries that we're talking about today. So before we start, I just want to, I guess, ask you a few questions to get you guys thinking. How do you make a new friend? What, what do you do when you meet someone new? And I actually recently spent some time in a developmental unit in one of the children's hospitals here in the States. And I spent some time observing how, as a dental student, so I was shadowing some of the dentists, how they work with especially autistic kids. They have a lot of autistic kids that visit the the clinic. And the reason why I mention this is because um, autistic kids, as as some of you may be familiar, they struggle with uh, social cues and and, uh, responding appropriately in social contexts. And so one of the ways and one of the strategies that people that work with autistic kids use is that they teach them how to respond socially. And sometimes when the kids come into the clinic, they will, they will subconsciously or in the middle of the conversation, they'll tell you all these things that they've been taught to do. So, um, for example, if you ask them to sit in the dentist chair, they'll be like, yes, one of the rules that I learned is that you must always sit in the chair and keep your hands to yourself. So those are the type of ways that they respond. Now, there was this one kid that I met last week, actually, and uh, we were talking about how he was doing at school and, and what he did with his friends. And someone, I think the dentist asked him, so how many best friends do you have? And he said, oh, no, I don't have friends, but I've been taught how to make friends. So you're supposed to share and you're supposed to spend time with them, and I need to uh, smile and be friendly to my friends. And I thought, you know, sometimes subconsciously we take it for granted that we know how to make a new friend. But this kid was such a good reminder to me that God has given us all spiritual gifts. He's given us fruits and he's given us personalities to be able to share with other people. And the basis of how you make a friendship is just exactly like that kid was mentioning to me. The basis of small group ministry is making a new friend by spending time with them, by sharing with them, by pouring your heart out to them. And that's how you you add to your small group and that's how you add to God's church as well. So a quote here from Christ's Object Lessons, better than all the friendship of the world is the friendship of Christ's redeemed. Isn't that a good promise? Amen? The warmth of true friendship, the love that binds heart to heart, is a foretaste of the joys of heaven. This is what your small group can be. Your small group in your church can be a foretaste for heaven. That is a promise that we can claim. So what exactly is care group? Now, for anyone that was here yesterday, do you remember what care stands for? Christ's attitude reflected in everyone. Exactly right. What makes up a care group? So, to uh, I guess to break it up a little bit, what we want to do at this point is just to show you a short video of the care groups that we have in our church. And some of the seekers, some of the non-believers that attend our care groups, and some of our members will be sharing their experiences with that as well. So, hold still for one minute as I switch to, I have to switch to display settings, but we'll get that started. I shall not want He maketh me to lie down in 
pasture leave me beside the waters of rest he restored my soul though I walk through my name's Lauren I work as an editor and um, care group for me is more than just a small group situation, Care Group is an opportunity where I can learn how to love others and to share that love of Jesus with other people. Um, so often as Adventists we come together, um, but often our coming together is all about mutual encouragement and fellowship. Um, but Care Group is more than that. It's a chance for us to share the love that we have experienced with Jesus with our friends, with our colleagues, with our family members, with the people that God brings us into contact with on the street. Um, it's a place where we can come together and to um, really show people what it means practically to be a Christian. Um, the care group stands for Christ's attitude reflected in everybody and it has four main parts. Um, first we eat together, eating, very important. Um, then we sing together, um, then we have a short practical Bible study and after that time we share what's been happening in our lives during the week and we pray together, encourage one another. Um, I myself first came to Care Group in the start of 2008. Um, when I came, um, I'd never taught a Bible study before. I was just learning how to experience Jesus for myself. Um, but what I experienced through Care Group was, um, as a member, I really was encouraged by observing the way that Jesus interacted um, in the lives of my other care group members during the week and also had the opportunity to be challenged in my own spiritual walk because all of a sudden I was sharing what God had done for me with people who hadn't experienced him yet. So it really encouraged me to grow. Um, and what I really like about care group is that it accommodates everybody. Um, it's an opportunity for people from all walks of life um, not only to get to know God, but to be involved in sharing Him practically with other people. Hello, my name is Vincent. Um, I'm from China and I study um, electrical engineering in Morash University. I'd like to care group in Morash University um, because it, um, it helps me in helps me uh, not only spiritually but also physically. Um, I like the uh, care group particularly in, um, in the vegetarian food um, but also uh, when we come study Bible together and after that we share in the we share in the on the weekly uh, and praise the Lord and uh, pray together as well. Um, prayer is very important in care group because um, um, because we uh, through pray praying uh, we uh, we encourage, uh, encourage each other and uh, also um, I can um, through uh, develop relationships with God as well. Especially uh, before praying, uh, we like to praise the Lord, sharing the uh, sharing the weekly experiences with God, and uh, yeah, it helped me to build a relationship with God. Hi, I'm Edward. I came from Indonesia, and I take business and commerce as a major in Monash University. For me personally, I like the singing part the most. You know why? As first. Firstly, I came as an outsider. I don't know everything about Melbourne. Then I came into this group and I found, wow, cool. How I can develop my personal identity and how I can mingle with people 
that I don't know through the singing part. Oh. And I see how the people do the ice breaking part, you know, with energizer and how they do the action singing like oh, my God loves me or whatever, rejoice Lord always and every any other song with actions and with sign language, I like this part. Because you know why? Although you don't know the people, at least you can enjoy and you can praise the Lord. Right? This is the best aspect in the K group. And you know what? Starting from I'm a shy person initially, then by then the people in the K group approach me and feel and ask me and approach me to feel that I'm part of the family. By then I start to realize, yeah, this is the place where I can grow spiritually. So K-Group studies are not designed to be doctrinal studies. They're actually designed to be simple, short and practical. The aim of K-Group, the aim of K-Group studies is really to help our new friends to learn what it means to walk with Jesus. So all the K-Group studies are very, um, very simple. Uh, we, we use a lot of um, stories, the character studies, we use a lot of just studies on the basics of the gospel. And we try to link the Bible study time to a sharing time where people can understand how to take what they've learned and apply it. Always use an illustration that is simple, um, practical, and that the people are able to grasp. Illustrations are really good because they help people to understand the concepts of salvation and the truth very easily. Um, generally, limit uh, the points that you are making. Try to get across between one and three points. Don't try to get across five points to lose people. One point, one really good point, um, maybe stretch it up to three, but generally one good point that they can take home. And number three, link it back to practical application. What does that mean for me? today, practically, in my life. My name is Namo, and I'm from Botswana, and I'm a Monash student studying medicine, and I love the group so much. It's always a happy day for me, and a blessing day for me, where we come together, eat, sing songs, and then just study the Bible. To hear praises from other people is really encouraging and it also makes your faith in God grow. Hearing what God does in other people's lives and how He blesses them, how He touches their lives and how He does all these things, it's really a blessing. You are also encouraged to like, I'm going to trust in the Lord because you also hear of His goodness. You want to, to experience that goodness too. And about prayers, it's really good because sometimes you think you are the only one who has problems with prayers. But when you listen to prayers, other people asking for prayers, you find out that we all need prayers. We all need to have something to pray about. And you know, you are also encouraged to like give prayers so that people can pray with you. Care group is good for those people who are searching, like um, who want like a relationship with God, especially like environment. It has changed my life a lot. When I came to care group, I wasn't an Adventist. Uh, it was at a time in my life when I had stopped going to church altogether. So I didn't have any relationship whatsoever with God. Uh, but through care group, I've grown spiritually. I've become closer to God. And I recently got baptized. I will not I run and I
groups are about and we'll be going through all those little components again but it just gives you a little bit of an overview of what we're doing today. So I'll be covering some of the main principles behind care groups and then my brother will be talking a little bit more about specifically manpower. How do you lead a care group? How do you find carers? What are carers? What are members? What do they do? That sort of thing. I want to start off actually with a story and that is found in Mark chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Mark chapter 2, and we'll pick up in verse 2. So Mark chapter 2, verse 2, and this is the story of the four men that brought their friend to Jesus, the paralytic man. And they brought him to Jesus and it was obviously a crowded day. Jesus was preaching and sharing and healing and spending time with people. And so these friends actually had to go through the roof and cut a hole in the roof and lower the stretcher through. Is everyone familiar with this story that we are covering today? All right, so if we can pick up in verse 2 and we'll read the story briefly. There are a couple of things that I want to highlight along the way. So if we start at verse 2, And straight away many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as, uh, as about the door. And he preached a word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. That's the first point that I want to highlight. How many friends were there? Four friends. That's one principle that we'll be highlighting today. One seeker, four friends. One seeker, four friends. Okay? Let's move on to verse 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now, I personally have never tried this, but I imagine that if you were going to carry someone and then climb up into the roof and then take off the roof and then lower the person down, it takes a fair bit of effort. Right? So bringing someone to Jesus is not necessarily a simple task. So the first principle is what? One person? How many friends? Four friends. Second principle, it takes effort required by a team to bring someone to Jesus. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There, the friends that brought the, the man to Jesus, do you think they believed that Jesus would be able to do this? Yes. So the act of just carrying their friend and, and lowering him, him through the roof and fighting through the crowd was a living testimony of their faith. So your sharing your life with your friend is a witness in itself. It doesn't necessarily have to be an outright Bible study. Okay? So we've got three principles so far. The last one, I want to actually turn to Luke chapter 5, which is Luke's account of the same story. Luke chapter 5 and verse 25. Luke chapter 5, verse 
25. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. So the end result of this effort is that the paralytic man became a what? A testament to God as well. So when you're, keeping, when you're keeping that in mind, your small groups, the aim of your small groups is to make new workers for Christ. So the four principles that we're talking about. First of all, one person, four friends. Second of all, it takes effort by a team to bring someone to Jesus. The third, living out your faith is a witness. And the fourth is that we want to make people that are strong and passionate workers for Christ that can glorify him. Those are the principles that underline any small group, any care group that you want to start. Does everyone have those copied down in your workbooks? Oh, for those that don't have workbooks, have we got new handouts? They're coming, so I apologize that we don't have enough, but um, there are more. The fourth is that uh, we want to make workers that will glorify God and be soul winners for him. So there will be more handouts coming. I think they're making some photocopies. So we covered and we introduced um, our student club to you briefly yesterday. For those that weren't here, Adventist students on campus is one of the ways that we find people to bring into our small group because we are a church that's based in the university. Now the reason why I want to highlight this is because our theme for 2011 was actually four hands, one family, one Christ. And you'll see here that we um, actually had our, I guess our, our theme and our logo for the year, so to speak, was the image of the stretcher with four hands. And that says something not only to the people that we're reaching out, that when you come to our club, when you come to our campus, um, campus community, we want you to feel like you belong. And generally, when we meet someone new, uh, they need to be able to talk to three friends or four friends before they leave for them to come back. If they, just, if they go into the event, say we have a free barbecue and they meet one person and the person invites them to care group the next Friday night, chances are they may or may not come. But we find that the more people that talk to them and invite them, obviously, the more belonging they feel. And so one family, four hands, one Christ. And that was our theme for this year. So our outline for this half of the module is threefold. The first is that we want to visualize the end game. And we talked a little bit about that. The fourth principle is that we want to be making workers that glorify God and that are soul winners. The second is that we want to go through the principles of care groups and then we'll go through a few of the FAQs, the frequently asked questions, and then we'll do a little bit more at the end as well. So, Desire of Ages. Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. He who drinks of the living water becomes a fountain of life the receiver becomes a giver. So what is the end game? The care group goals are very simple and, and they sound quite, quite straightforward. Is that better? Okay. So the first is that we want souls to be one and we want people to be baptized. We want to introduce the gospel message to them. That's the start of the cycle of evangelism. We want our groups to grow in spiritual depth and that applies not only to the seekers that are coming but also to the members as well. And we want our groups to grow in number and to multiply. This is one of my good friends. Her name is Gia, and she was actually baptized in 2003. She comes from a very strong atheist 
family. And her dad was very opposed to her getting involved in the church, learning more about Christianity. Um, and they really opposed all the lifestyle changes that she was choosing to make in her life as she got to know, as she got to know Christ. My mom actually gave her Bible studies while she was learning about the Bible. And I remember, you know, I was probably about eight at the time, and I remember how hard they would both pray and fast for her family and pray and fast as she wanted to um, share her decision to get baptized with her family as well. She is now um, a committed Christian. She has led care groups for the past five or six years. She has trained care group leaders. She has mentored leaders. And she has actually taken a year off this year to do mission work overseas. And she's been to the Solomon Islands. She's been to several training schools here in the U.S. as well. So care groups are based around that sort of multiplication. I want to share with you a little bit about how one person can impact so many others. So if we start here on the direct right, GR actually gave Bible studies to someone called Grace. Grace is now a strong member and a future leader of a care group herself. Down here we have Natalie, and Natalie was actually her high school friend that she um, gave Bible studies to, and Natalie really uh, benefited from that, and she's baptized as well. Jiao also worked with Sarah in the far left, and Sarah is now helping in our new church plant in the west. She is a care group leader. She is working with people, and she's giving Bible studies to other people as well. Going up, Jiao trained the, um, the lady in the white, I believe. Yes, her name is Dolly. And for many years, Dolly and Jiao worked together as leader and carer in their care group. And it was such a blessing because they were able to work not only as sisters in Christ, but they were just really good friends. And that was the basis of how they worked well together. Going up to the top, Jia actually introduced her friend Angeline to um, the Christian faith. And Angeline was baptized. And Angeline is actually now studying in Queensland, and she's so active in her church there, and she's taken what she's learned from just visiting Gateway and what Gia has shared with her personally. She doesn't attend Gateway herself to start a care group in, in where she's at in her campus in Queensland, which is north of Australia. And at the top, you'll see that I have a picture of myself and Gia and one of our other friends, and actually Gia was my Bible teacher. So the cycle goes full circle, full circle. So my mom gave her Bible studies. She was trained. She was converted. She is sharing that with other people as well. Care group operations work like this. We want to have 8 to 10 people within a care group. We want it to be like family, and we want to have one leader and one carer. And we'll go a little bit more into what a leader is and what a carer is in the last half of this module. We also want to have leaders' accountability to a leader's care group. Now, that sounds really complicated. What does that even mean? If you recall from what we were talking about yesterday, you remember that one of the underlying principles in our small group ministry and in our church is that we want to emphasize accountability. Accountability not only for people as they're learning about God, but especially for members and for leaders, even more so for leaders. So what we have is, as you see on the far left of that diagram, we have someone called a care group coordinator which basically looks after all the leaders and carers for every care group. And every Sabbath morning, typically, all the leaders and carers will get together early before church and they have a prayer meeting. They share specifically about how their members are going, how their seekers are going, and they have any prayer requests that they want to pray for, and they pray together as a team. They have accountability to one another and to a leader's care group. So they experience that family kind of experience and community for themselves. 
Now, in their Friday night ministry, in their care groups, they have a leader carer, and they have some core members represented by the blue circles, dark blue circles here. So the leaders and carers work closely with those, and all those together as a team reach out to seekers. Does that make sense to everyone, how that works? So the principles of care group. The first thing is that we were talking about this a lot yesterday and some people ask questions as well about meeting different needs and how you structure care groups, I guess, in terms of demographics. As we shared yesterday, this is a rough distribution of what our care groups look like today. Um, we have the most in our oldest church plant in the city and our youngest one in the west is starting out with a few care groups as well. So as I was sharing with some of you personally, um, you don't necessarily have to stratify and categorize your care group members into specific care groups based on demographics. For example, if someone comes to your care group and they are a young adult, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to go to the young adult care group. The reason why we have different care groups is because we find that people are better able to relate to other people of like mind um, at a similar stage in life because then when they have their sharing time and they share about how their week has been, and we'll go into that a little bit later, they, can, they actually get what they mean. Um, having said that, we as a church are very conscious that as youth we need to be respectful and we need to heed and um, accept the counsel of our elders and our counselors. And we take that very seriously that we want to have, we want to take on board any adults and adult counsel that we get. In that sense, we do have adults in our care group and we have counselors that um, help us out in our care groups. And some people are comfortable with with how they can contribute. I, I can recall one student, and she was an international student from China. And for several months of the year, her mom actually came to visit her and stay with her while she was studying in Melbourne. Her mom spoke no English. Um, and so we thought, oh, perhaps it may be better for this mom to go to our Chinese care group because then she'd be able to understand the language and you know, she'd be able to maybe absorb a little bit more and appreciate the care group more. But this mother was so happy that she was able to cook for 15 people every Friday night and she just took so much joy out of seeing people enjoy her food that that was where she wanted to be. She wanted to be in that care group. So it doesn't mean that just because you have certain care groups that you think may suit specific people that the Lord may lead you and guide you in different ways. So just be sensitive to the leading and guiding um, as to how you meet people's needs. So this is a picture of some of, our, um, some of our youth in Australia. This is actually the peer group that I was sharing with you guys about yesterday. We actually started as a group, or we got together, because we were the only second-generation Adventists in the church. We, we are based in the university campus, in a secular university. So a lot of people at our church are converts or non-believers, um, and there aren't too many young second-generation Adventists. So when we actually came together, we formed an informal care group because we recognized that we had a similar need that we wanted to band together and support one another. We finally found that we had similar struggles. Uh, there were things that we, uh, we found difficult that converts don't. Uh, there were things that we understood a lot better that 
we don't really introduce to our new believers or, or they don't come across that. So we came together and we just spent time together and we supported one another and we enjoyed that fellowship. And that's the basis of a care group. Any care group that has, any care group that has similar needs, a shared vision, shared beliefs, that can form a small group ministry in itself. So today we've kind of diversified and a lot of us have actually gone home to different countries. Um, a lot, some of them are studying overseas. Some of them have started care groups in their own campuses in Malaysia, in Indonesia. And we serve in different care groups. On a Friday night, we serve in different care groups. We don't attend the same care group, but we still come together as a group of friends and as a basis. That, and that's what I really want to emphasize, that care group is about friendship. It's not about um, ministry for the sake of ministry. So what is the model program for a care group? Well, there are three main components to any care group that we run out on a Friday night. So we like to open the Sabbath together. And there are three main things that we do on a uh, Friday evening. So the first is sharing a meal. And we, we went through these parts briefly in the video, but I want to expand a little bit more and maybe just reiterate some of the things that were mentioned. The first is sharing a meal, and some of the things that we do include having a theme night. So sometimes we have a lot of Africans in our um, in our care groups, and so sometimes we have Botswanian night, and we get to try all the different Botswanian food that they make for us. Uh, sometimes we have. I think one of our care groups is called Alpha Care Group, and so they had a A food theme night, meaning they were only going to prepare foods that started with A. So that was an interesting mix. We didn't eat very much. I think it was just mainly apples. But, you know, you can shake things up and make it fun. Make the mealtime enjoyable. Um, show them that vegetarian food can be tasty. Some of these people are like, you guys don't serve any meat. And some of them at the start will come to care group and will offer them food. And they're like, oh, no, sorry, I've already eaten dinner. That's okay. But as they come to spend more time with us, you know, they start trying the food. They're surprised by it. And they're blessed, and they come to, they come to enjoy it. Mealtime is really important because food breaks down all kinds of barriers. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's a really good time for you to be able to talk with someone, to sit down, and you get a lot out of them when they're eating and a little bit distracted than when they've got their guard up. And you're just introducing yourself to them and saying, "Hi, my name is such and such, and what do you do? And what are you studying, etc." So um, in terms of structuring your meal, we, we generally have a roster. So we get our members to roster to cook. So we have like a main, a main dish, someone brings fruit, someone brings um, dessert or whatever it is. And sometimes the seekers like to get involved as well. Sometimes they like to you know, contribute to the care group. And so eventually, once they've been there for a while, if they're comfortable with it, we like to include them in the roster. Don't be afraid to ask your seekers to do something to contribute because then they find a sense of belonging. Um, oftentimes for our girls especially, they like to invite them over to cook together. Um, for our guys, usually they just offer to buy some fruit and bring it along. Um, but... That, that's one way that we, that we handle that as well. So the next part is sharing the word, and there are a few components to this. As you saw in the video, we always start with singing. And you may have been wondering what all these funny people are doing moving all around in the video. But we like to do a lot of action songs. They look silly. You learned them in cradle roll, I know. But we teach them to our seekers because they're simple. They're easy to remember. These people have never sung Christian songs before. 
and um, it gets them laughing. You know, it breaks down all kinds of barriers, and it's an icebreaker as well. Sometimes we have icebreakers during the meal. We go around and we ask questions, or we say, you know, if you were a farmer, what kind of food would you grow? And, and you go around the circle and you introduce yourself that way. Um, and that's all in the first part before we go into Bible study at all. We have a care group songbook, and we have some other care group resources on our Gateway website. So um, you can have a look at that if, if, if you're interested as well. The next part is the sharing of the word, and we want to make it relevant and simple. If you remember yesterday, we were talking about we don't want to make anything too tedious, too boring, too long, because we're introducing people to the gospel. We want it to be engaging. We want it to be enticing. We want to leave them coming back for more. So when you're sharing about the word, we want to base our studies on simple, basic truths for a 20 to 30 minute study, not a one hour sermon. Okay, so 20 to 30 minute study. And the care group study is different from what you'd find in a Sabbath school or what you'd find in church because it strongly emphasizes family relationships. Family relationships meaning our relationships with one another, our relationships with God, and our relationships with those around us. So some of the things that we cover include um, parables. We go through the parables. We go through, we have a series called Christianity 101, which is basically all the basic things that you need to know as a Christian. How do you do devotions? How do you pray in the morning? Um, how do you study the Bible? When you read some, a chapter of the Bible, how are you actually supposed to extract anything and how do you make it practical and form an efficient and an achievable application for that day in your morning devotion? All those type of things. Uh, we do character studies. Sometimes we have studied, for example, Daniel as a character study and we go through the stories of Daniel not necessarily to teach them about prophecy and to go through all oh, Babylon etc etc but we want to extract what is it about Daniel that made him stand firm in chapter 1 what is it about Daniel and his friends that made him um, successful how did he deal with that how does that apply to us in our lives does that give you a, a little bit of an idea that how care group studies are meant to work yeah very good they're aimed at cultivating a relationship with God, as I mentioned, and any spiritual interest, any deeper interest that people cultivate from that, um, you should channel into one-to-one -one Bible study when you feel and they feel that they're ready and you want to pray over it with them for a few weeks as well. So we, we try to avoid doctrinal studies and all sorts of things like that in care group time. Save that for your one-to-one -one Bible studies where they'll be able to ask more questions and things like that as well. Now, the range of topics are based on the needs of your care group members and also the age of your seekers. What I mean by that is that at any one time in your care group, you will most probably have people that have been there for several months or a year or two. Then you have some people that are at care group for the first time. So what are you going to teach? You know, you have all these people that are, um, that are at different stages. Now, granted, there is no curriculum or there's no set formula as to how to teach so that you reach everyone in the one session through the same words. But where you can really hone it into every individual is when you make an appeal at the end. When you ask them to form an application for the week to extract one principle that they've learned from the lesson, you look around and when you're preparing the study, you think of your seekers and members in your mind, who is in your care group, what do they need, what are they facing in their life at the moment. 
and you tailor your study to them in that way. If you know that someone is struggling with time management and you know, they're, they're a second generation Adventist, they just, they, they just really struggle with morning devotions and getting up in the morning. You say that to them. But that may not, obviously you don't say that to them directly, but you, you incorporate that into your study and God will use the Holy Spirit to speak to them. But that may not necessarily be applicable to the person that's at care group for the fourth time. They may not have even been doing devotions yet. So God will lead you to prepare a separate application for that group. Does that make sense? Okay. So the, the last part of the care group time is sharing time. And this is where we uh, ask two main questions. How was your week? And is there anything you'd like to pray for? We also call this time praise and prayer. So we like to encourage in our seekers a culture of learning to praise God and be thankful. And then also to rely on him and to, to present the supplications to him as well. We, um, I guess, intentionally make our study time short for this reason as well. So that we have more time to spend in sharing. So that we have more time to discuss actually what it was that was taught. Now, as I mentioned before, we want to make all the studies that we do very uh, practical. And so what we try to do, as Suki was mentioning in the video, is to extract one main principle and one main application for each lesson for that individual. It should be specific. It should be quantifiable, something that they can um, go away that next week and, and try in their life. And you need to coach coach and, and encourage your seekers to take little steps to becoming um, better and at formulating more relevant applications. It also means that you need to model that in your sharing time as well. And you'll see them grow. This is how we watch our seekers grow and this is, how we, this is one of the ways that we watch um, whether they have spiritual interests and whether they'd like to start personal Bible studies and where they're at spiritually as well by the responses that they make during their sharing time to what they've heard in the lesson. So I'll give you an example of that. So we just went through Mark 2, didn't we? So we went through the story of the four men. And so someone that has come to care group for a few times may not even be comfortable to share it all. They'll just say, um, I, I, I didn't really understand very much of it. Can I skip it? And that's fine. You know, you just let them observe and you go around the circle. So then someone that has may, maybe been there for a few months or something or, or is not so familiar with Christianity yet may have a very basic observation and print, uh, application. They may say, okay, well, like, um, like those five people, I want to seek God's presence in my life more. That's fair. You know, that, that makes sense. That's part of the lesson and, and that will be the application for this week. As they grow... Um, some people may become more specific. Someone may say, okay, well, every day I want to learn to start carrying my burdens to Jesus and experiencing healing. Do you see that progression? So people are growing to be more specific and more quantifiable. What we want to do as leaders and as people grow as members and they, they grow in depth, especially you'll see this with the, the seekers in your care group that are in one-to-one -one Bible studies, is that they will become even more specific. Something like... Even though I have heard this story of the four men and, and their friend so many times, I realize that I have not been a friend to those um, around me like those four friends were. So this week, as a care group member, my application is that I have someone in mind that I'd like to call. And I want to encourage them this I want to set aside time this week to call them and spend time with them, maybe take them out for lunch. And please ask me how that went next week. And you make yourself accountable to that small group that you're sharing in. Do you see how you model that 
that application and the observation process to people. So that's really important in sharing time. Sharing time is how you consolidate what you've actually taught into the lives of these people. So when you're mingling with seekers, mingling time typically takes place either in your icebreakers before you start the study or when you're, uh, maybe when you're having dinner. And we have an acronym called FORT that might help you to um, think of things that you can talk about with your new seekers. So F stands for family and friends. And you just ask them generally, you know, like, where's your family from? Um, that may help you to get an impression of their religious background, how their family feels about religion, uh, where their family is at, things like that. Occupation and what occupies their time. Religion specifically, what do your parents believe? Do you share the same beliefs? And testimonies. Now, testimonies is actually explained a little bit more on the right-hand side here, and there's an ABC principle to how you share a testimony. Basically, when you share a testimony with someone, you want to make it short, you want to make it succinct, and you want to make it interesting and relevant to what they're struggling with. So you want to explain in one sentence your life before Jesus in that specific area, how you came to know or to experience Jesus and how he helped you in that specific area, and then how that has changed you and what you are now. Okay, so you want to avoid long-windedness, glorifying sin, and using big, big words that people might not be familiar with. Uh, this is also relevant to when you are sharing how your week was. If you have had a tough week at work, you know, you say, well, before I would have been really frustrated at my coworkers when they, you know, when they did such and such to me, and I would have probably said something nasty that I would have regretted later. But Jesus helped me to overcome that. I learned to pray and surrender to him. And this is how I responded this week when that happened to me. Okay? So we want to keep the end game in mind, which is, again, as we said before, eight to ten people per care group. We want it to have a family feel, and we want it to have a good member-to-seeker ratio. So multiplying care groups, when you grow your care group, by God's grace, you are going to get more than 10 people. You will get 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. What do you do then? It's too big to have a care group of 20 people. And multiplication can always be a little bit tricky. Sometimes when we multiply our care groups, we get what I call separation anxiety. So people are a little bit like, oh, you know, but we like spending time together. I won't see this person anymore on a Friday night. You know, can't we just have a combined care group? Sometimes for special events like a Christmas or something, we get all the care groups together and we have a special event. Can't we just have a combined care group again? You know, um, and for a few weeks, it may feel a little bit strange. The singing will be quieter. There will be less food. There will be less noise. But we tend to ease the transition into... Um, separate care groups with periodic combined care groups, as I was exa uh, explaining before. And my brother will be talking a little bit more about how exactly it is that you go about starting a care group and multiplying a care group so that you have a clear understanding of how that works. But after a while, you'll find that if you, if you really spend time with those people in your new care group, because it's a smaller group as well, that will really help you to form a sense of identity and belonging. And you'll find that eventually people are like, oh, we have combined care group again? Like, can't we just stay like how we were? And, and they'll love it. They'll be fine, really. So always keep the family model in mind. The reason why we want to multiply is because we want it to be small enough that you can actually get to talk to every single person in your care group before the night is over. 
You don't want it to be so large that, oh yeah, I saw that person last night, but I didn't even say hi. Um, when, if you think about the family analogy, you also think that I'm sure many of you have, may have kids or, or even growing up that you have family outings. You know, you have a Sunday picnic or a trip to the zoo or whatever it is. And we do the same thing with our care groups. You need to spend time with them outside of church and care group time. You need to show them that you're interested in them on their personal level um, and you want to just socialize with them as well. It's hard to be open and deep in their sharing and you'll find this in your seekers if you don't take this time to spend with them outside of care group time. And you may like to divide up your members and allocate them to certain seekers so that uh, they can perhaps catch up one-on-one with them during the week as well. So regardless of your absolute size or your member and seeker ratio, um, sorry, regardless of your absolute number size, if you don't have a good member to seeker ratio, this family feel can be a little bit distorted as well. What I mean by that is if you have a care group of 10 people, one seeker, nine members, it's going to feel different than if you had five and five. And so we want to keep a good ratio in mind so that we have the members that are not too stretched, that they have to look after you know, eight people between the two of them. Um, but we also want to have a good balance so that it doesn't become a Friday night Vespers only for members that are just, you know, they're just wondering what to do. So we want to have an outreach focus where we are balanced and we support one another in a family uh, setting. So what happens if you have too many members in your care group and you can't find any seekers? What do you do? The first thing is that you need to pray. You know, pray really hard that God will give you souls. Make a list of your friends specifically that each of your members want to invite. That can be an application for them during that week. And then pray some more. You can run a letterboxing um, day, maybe on a Sabbath afternoon, as a care group project in the neighborhood. You can, direct, you can do direct evangelism. You can go door to door. You can uh, do search videos. You can work on a project together. Um, some of our care groups, you know, they'll organize events like they'll have a Sunday day trip to the Tulip Festival or something and they'll invite their friends to that and it'll be a social, uh, social setting where their friends will feel more comfortable without necessarily having to come to care groups straight away. One of the things that we do encourage all our members to do, regardless of whether they're struggling to find seekers or not, is to get together, especially during the week, uh, to pray, especially for the seekers, and to read Gospel Workers. I'd really recommend uh, Gospel Workers page 136, which is Ellen White's dream about the ripened berries. It's a fantastic, fantastic read, um, and it's a must-read for anyone that wants to start a care group and to find seekers and, and learn how the Holy Spirit works and learn how to discern the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. So the flip side of the coin is if you have a lot of seekers and potentially growing seekers that want Bible studies, but you don't have enough members, what happens then? Well, it's definitely a good problem to have. And we want to praise God for all the people that he's brought into your care group. Again, you want to make a list of friends and pray. So make a list of friends that you may be able to partner with in other care groups or other people in your church that may have um, a similar interest or may be able to relate to your potential Bible student. And you can go as a pair and give Bible studies to that student. It also means that if that student ever comes to church eventually, they will have a friend outside their care group. They will have one extra friend and they will feel even more part of your church than they did before.
you need to work personally, uh, work with your personal ministry leader. And someone mentioned that yesterday, how do we integrate personal ministries? And your personal ministry leader is going to be able to help you to find potential Bible teachers and maybe give you more members for your care group as well. So any, uh, within the care group model, how we integrate care groups and personal ministry is such that we pair up at least one person within the same care group as a seeker to be their Bible teacher with another person. The other person could be a Bible worker, could be the pastor, could be another church member from a different care group based on the needs of that individual. How we start off someone going from just a care group attendee and transitioning them into one-to-one Bible study is we do a diagnostic three to five session uh, study series. And that is where we sit down with the student and after they've either expressed an interest to have Bible studies or if they've responded to an appeal or something like that, uh, that we ask them, okay, so what, what kind of questions do you have about the Bible? You know, what type of things are you struggling with? What would you like to know? And those are the focuses, the focuses of the studies for those three to five weeks. And then you sit down and you, you explain it to them before you start. This is a three to five week um, time for us to take together to just see how we can study the Bible together and whether, um, whether we're ready to go into some deeper, some deeper studies. And you watch and, and you pray, especially during those three to five weeks, and see how they're responding to God's Spirit and see how they personally accept the truth. Um, so how to give Bible studies is a totally different topic, but that's how we transition from care groups into one-to-one studies. Care groups, as I said before, it, it needs to be a family unit. People need to look forward to spending time together. Now, as a care group, there will be times when you get along. These are two of our um, two of our kids from church. There will be times when you get along. There will be times when some of you fall or need a little help, um, and you need to be sensitive to God's leading to see how He can use you to help other people, and and especially to uphold your fellow members. And some of and sometimes you know you can get on top of each other. You, it's a family. Sometimes you may rub your fellow member the wrong way, accidentally, unintentionally. But the privilege of working together in a Christian group, as we said before at the start, you know, one of the blessings, there is no greater blessing than having the friendship of Christ redeemed, is that um, we need to learn to uphold one another, to work together as a team. And so these two boys are actually called Caleb and Joshua. So I, um, I assure you they're best friends. They, they just play fight like that sometimes. Yes. Yes, so the three to five week diagnostic period is a way of transitioning any care group seeker into one-to-one Bible study outside of care group time if they have an interest. Does that make sense? Okay, that's fine. So if, if you have a seeker in your care group that, has, that you have recently brought to a public evangelistic series or they've actually come up to you during care group time after the study and they say, oh, hey, you know, um, I'd be interested in Bible studies. So how do you transition them from just attending care groups and start into one-to-one Bible study? Um, It may not necessarily be appropriate to, okay, so you want Bible studies, let's meet up tomorrow and I'm going to introduce you to Daniel Revelation. So we want to ease them into it. 
because up to now we've been heavily focused on relations, relations between people, relations between us and God. So the way we transition that is that we have a three to five, we typically have Bible studies once a week, three to five week diagnostic period where you start off that diagnostic period by first explaining to them that it is a diagnostic period, you know, a time for them to explore whether this is what they want, whether the Bible studies are meeting the, answering their questions. And you also ask them what type of questions they have. You know, some people may come to the Seventh-day Adventist church and they already have a whole list of questions. Who is Ellen White? Why do you guys not eat pork? And so, you know, that, that gives you a, a kind of a diagnostic understanding of where they're at and, and how you can help them best. Um, and then you spend those three to five weeks uh, addressing those questions. Now, I don't want to go too much into how to give a Bible study because I think that's a totally different topic, but be very careful and very prayerful as you go into that transition time. It doesn't necessarily mean that because someone has questions on you know, diet, jewelry, Sabbath, etc., that the first week you have Bible studies, you do diet, the second week you do jewelry, the third week you do Sabbath. It just means that you say, okay, this is, um, this is a diagnostic time. I understand that you have those questions. But before we get to that, let's start with how to study the Bible. How do we know that the Bible is true? Um, and perhaps you can address one of the questions that may be easier to answer quickly and at where they're at, and then say, but we'll explore the rest later on and see how they respond to what truth you are sharing with them first. Yes, definitely. So for the recording purposes, the question was, um, do you answer the questions straight away that they present? And, and uh, the answer is that we need to be prayerful and we need to be wise. And God will lead and guide, but you don't necessarily have to answer all those questions immediately. So I know you guys may have more questions. Um, I do want to give you a break, though. And we want to go a little bit more in depth into the care group side of things in the next half into how you have how you are a care group member how do you be a care group leader and a carer and then after that we can do more questions at the end does that sound good all right let's pray to close and then we'll take a 10 minute break father we just want to thank you so much for being with us this morning and lord i just pray that as we go away from this session that you would deepen within us a sense of uh, your love that as we make friends with new people that you would teach us, Lord, how to be good friends, how to be Christ-like friends, and how to relate to people in a way that will draw them to you. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.